am. And I'm amazed at you too. And I'm because I'm gonna ask you to do some something that's gonna be pretty uh, uh, taxing just for a little bit, but you about to go outside. So I know it's a little humid and a little hot. So I'm trying to have my stuff together so you don't have to stay out there long. Brother Steve, will this go outside? Because I need you to record what we're saying today. All right, I think you, bro, you own it. You own it. Okay, so we're going to go outside for a few minutes because we're going to do the dedication of the church cornerstone and all that kind of stuff. And it's amazing that God left that for us to do. I don't know why, but it was left for us to do. And thank God, I, I got to say this again. I've said it before. And I, I want you to know that this is not anybody trying to buy their way into the church and all that kind of stuff. This is just how people have a heart for God. Amen. And then when the Lord decided that they should unite with this church, he put it on their heart to pay for the cornerstone of the church. God does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, because he's sovereign. He's the only one like that. So he's the only one that can do that. So I want to thank God for um, our soon-to-be ordained ministers and Deacon uh, Powell for them paying for the cornerstone of the church. That's a blessing, and we definitely have to put that in the history of our church. I'm going to say some things while we're in the house so we don't have to stay outside so long. Um, I thank God for Pastor Murdis Brown being here this morning. Amen. Coming in. When she knew we were going to do this, she um, uh, stepped aside from her church to be with us today, and I'm so glad about it. Uh, she's an amazing woman of God, learned in the Word of God, and uh, maybe she's my mom, so I got to say that too. And I guess she's Victoria's mom too. And uh, so, but she's also a big part of this church's history. So it's uh, important to her what's happening today. There was a time when this church was without a pastor, period. There was no pastor here at all. Before many of you that are here today ever even came to this church, you may not have even known that. And I myself was in search of a church home. And I was uh, looking from Baptist churches, Methodist churches. This is back in 1993, 94. I was looking all over. Um, I knew at one time my stepfather and my mom served down here in uh, Baytown, but this was the last place I wanted to be. I was in Houston, Texas. Why would I want to come down here? It was stinking, small, little, old, raggedy town. You know, y'all didn't look like you look right now. Don't play like you had a Starbucks. Don't play like a Cheddar's was here. Don't play like that was happening back in 1993. The only thing popping over here was what y'all was doing in Oak Edition and McNair and all the black people hanging with the black. Ernestine, calm it down. You know that's all you know. Is, is what, you know all about what was happening over here. And all the black people know each other out here. All the black people. And so I was like, man, I ain't going, I don't want to go to no Baytown. I'm not saying nothing about Ogadishan. You want the flow to talk about the hood? You want me to give you space to talk about Ogadishan? I don't want to talk about them washeteers and clubs that was in Ogadishan. Y'all had good people. Oh, why am I taking up this space? I don't know why I'm taking up this space. I done got distracted. I done got distracted. Let me get back to the church. Let me get back to, the, to what we're talking about, the church history. So I didn't want to come here. I didn't want to come to Baytown. I'm from Houston, 
and uh, everything I needed should have been in that city. I didn't want to come to Baytown, so I was going from church to church to church, trying to find a church home. I couldn't find a church home. At that point, my mom was down here by you know herself as far as leadership, and uh, she was basically leading with the church. My stepfather was doing what he did, and he uh, was handling his situation. <laughs> but my mom was basically leading the church, and she was here by herself, and I called myself engaged at the time, and all that good stuff, and, and I came down here, because my mom said, why don't you come down here and help us? I, would th- I was almost about to join a new community Baptist church. My mom said, why don't you come down here and help us? You know, that's a good Kojic term, help us. So <laughs> I came down here, all they was doing was having Sunday school. I came down here to Sunday school. I called my, I got this from a friend of mine, but I, sometimes I call the Holy Spirit my Noah, the one that knows all things. And so I, I came down here to Faith Temple to go to Sunday school, and my Noah sat down on me. And when I entered this building and got into Sunday school, and my Noah sat down on me, I was like, Lord, I know you're not trying to tell me that this is my church home. Because I tell you, it's, it's difficult to find a place where you belong when you're looking for a place to have church. And so I stayed, and then I joined in 94, called myself engaged. My mama said, why don't you get that boy come down here? He was pretty anointed, and uh, he came down here, started teaching. Then he came to play. That's how you ended up with an 8 o'clock service, because he played already for an 11 o'clock service. And it would, at the time, Faith Temple was having 11 o'clock service. And mother wanted him down here at Faith Temple because I wouldn't ask him. Mother wanted him down here at Faith Temple, so she asked him. And we changed the whole service to 8 o'clock so that he could be here for 8 o'clock. That's how you got to 8 o'clock. And I was sitting there with my eyes, everybody's eyes rolling in the back of their head trying to make an 8 o'clock service. Nobody was used to it. And I know some of you still are not. <laughs> Nobody was used to 8 o'clock service, and we was rolling our heads and. But eventually, and I don't know if you can testify to this, I can't see myself doing nothing else. I can't see myself waiting around till 11 o'clock no more to go to church and getting caught up to like 1 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I can't see myself doing that no more. So 8 o'clock is suitable for me. So he pastored for, a, a, what, like a year or so? And then um, there was a pastor asked to step in temporarily while uh, we find another pastor. But when the pastor stepped up, he, he announced himself permanently. And that was in the person of Pastor Roberson. And so Pastor Roberson stayed for like almost two years, right? I think it was almost two years. And, and, and uh, that he stayed here and he pastored. And some different things happened under Pastor Roberson. And I think one of the best things that happened under Pastor Roberson is um, he's a man that's high up, Hopped up on praise. So he was a, he's a strong praiser. And then the youth ministry was growing. Remember, Sister Ernestine? You even went with us on a camping trip, Sister Ernestine. Was cooking for us and everything. And then uh, Sister Ernestine ran off to First Lady. And then we... Uh, <laughs> that's when... You ever heard that statement, uh, all minds clear? You ever heard... You ever heard that statement, all minds clear? Hey, it's the history. I, we didn't write it down, but it's in the history. I was there. I was there. <laughs> no, you didn't, she didn't do that. 
But you ever heard that statement, all minds clear? That's when we stop using that statement because of Sister Ernestine. Brother, uh, Pastor Roberson said, are all minds clear? And uh, we had just came for that big old camping trip. Everybody went except the first lady. And that had been like the second or third time that the youth department had had something and she didn't show up. She never went, she never went, she never went. I don't know. But I, just, I was over the youth department at the time. I was a youth pastor. Pastor Robeson appointed me. I was at 1360 working as a DJ. He came there with balloons and flowers and asked me to be the youth pastor. I'm Kojic. I don't know nobody know youth pastor. Pastor? Don't put no pastor on my name. I'm a, I can be a youth leader. I'm not no youth pastor. And the Lord had been dealing with me for years and years, and I just didn't want to deal with that because the way I grew up, I didn't want to deal with the mentality of men that uh, were in ignorance and, and unlearned. I didn't want to deal with that. I was happy being where I was, just as long as the Lord let me do something, right? And so he said youth pastors, so I started studying about youth pastors, talking to youth pastors. And we had a great youth department, right? It was so much fun. And then that day when, um, when Pastor Robinson said, all minds clear, and Sister Ernestine said, my mind ain't clear. That's when we stopped using that term. We don't care if your mind clear or not. We finna get out of here. She said, I want to know. She stood up, and Sister Ernestine said, I want to know why every time we go somewhere, the pastor's wife never go. That's the kind of church y'all belong to. Y'all know, y'all know who where you at. Don't play. Don't play. We done had some stuff happen up in this church that done made me cry when I leave here. I left here saying, Lord, church ain't supposed to be this way. You know what the Lord told me? That's the problem. That's the problem. See, people want to look holy and not be holy. But the people you're dealing with are trying to be holy and not just look holy. So it's on the floor. And operating rooms get messy. And blood gets somewhere. And you just clean it up and keep on moving. Y'all remember when we was at church and who's the sisters? Deborah? What's her name, Sister Anita? Is it Deborah? Panty was in Bible study. Who? One of them was real holy. Penny. And Deborah was just Debbie. And Penny was back here popping a the tamarind and clapping. And we was Wednesday night Bible study. And brother and the Thompsons was here, brand new to the church, sitting right there where you sitting. Sister uh, Leona, I'm bringing those up that wasn't here. Sister, they was brand new to the church. Whole family sitting right there. And we were getting ready to dismiss, and Debbie wouldn't let that door close. She was sitting up here, so a panty was up here, Debbie was back there or something, and Debbie said, Pastor Brown, me and my sister ain't even speaking. I was like, she in here popping that tamarind. <laughs> like God and her deep on the inside. Let me tell you something about Christianity 101. In case you haven't been to college, I'm telling you, this is a lesson you're about to learn. Christianity 101 is love and forgiveness. I don't care about your gifts because you can still go to hell with a major gift. Gifts and callings are without repentance. But love and forgiveness, you can't get past that because we have received such a great forgiveness. You can't afford not to forgive somebody. 
And we have to love one another. And I'm not talking about feelings. Love is, you know, you can feel all you want to feel, but love is what you do. You can't hold nobody hostage in your mind, in your heart. You, you got to be able to walk behind, by everybody free. That's, where you got, that's the way you got to be. Even your enemies ought to know, you know, I don't like her, but she do love the Lord. I don't like her, but I know she's a Christian. Even your enemies got to know that. You know what I mean? Because even the devil is your enemy, but he, he should know that you're serving God. But anyway, so she said, me and my sister ain't even speaking. So I don't know what to do about that. I ain't know what to do about half the stuff that didn't happen at Faith Temple. And I say, Lord, we got a brand new family at the church. Y'all going to show out tonight? Tonight, Jesus. <laughs> but I guess if you coming, you might as well get initiated tonight and to know what you're walking into. So I told them to come on up to the church, to the front of the church. We're going to pray. And the one popping the tamarind didn't even want to hold us with his hand. But how many of you know that God is powerful? He is so powerful. And Faith Temple just got in a circle and started praying. And the, the spirit of the Lord came in so powerful, healed those sisters. They was hugging and crying and hugging each other. I love you. You know you're my sister. Before they left the church, it was all gravy. We were just standing around walking in amazement. Well, I don't even know if we did the benediction. And we just left. And then Brother Thompson came over and talked to me. He said, I didn't, uh, I didn't know what you was going to do with that. He said, I thought she was going to take them in the office and talk to them. I said, if they had did it in the office, I would have had it in the office. But they did it on the flow. And when you do it on the flow, <laughs> we got to handle it on the flow, right? So that, those stories with Faith Temple, you know what really, in, when I think back on them, they really kind of endear me to this church. And I kind of, uh, it makes me love the people of this church more. Because I know that the people that, a lot of people that God has placed here, we're not perfect, but sincere. I heard you, Brother Steve, this morning. But trying to have a sincere heart towards God. And I can respect that. You know that? I can respect that. You are who you are. And I like, what I like about Faith Temple is they live life out loud. And uh, it's nothing hidden that you don't know about it. I'm talking to you for a few minutes because I don't know if you know this or not. But as far as the history of this church is concerned, I'm the longest pastor you ever had in this church. And that's as of today. Look at Brittany. Brittany say, clap for my Amy. That's as of today. Officially, as of today, it's 19 years ago that I started pastoring here at Faith Temple. And uh, the last two years have been really strange, but not for Faith Temple, but for myself. And, uh, but I thank God for the people of this church. I love this church. I know. And I love these people here. I love every weird and perfect personality that's in this church. I love that people in this church are different, and they bring something different to the table. I miss everybody's light when you're not sitting in your seat. Everybody in this church I see in my eyes, and I don't miss anybody. I see everybody's contribution, and I see everybody's lifestyle that they're living in here, at least. And I think... There's not a person in here that I don't have love for. And, that's not, and, and, it's, and it's for all kind of different reasons because you're all different in all kind of different ways. So I thank the Lord for you. So I'm going to uh, read this, uh, Mom, because something is missing from this history. And uh, 
because the history was written and put in the church records. But it was put in the church records like this approximately 38 years ago. And that's not going to work. So do you remember the exact year when the church was founded? It's not even a date on this, and I know you how you are. That's what I'm saying. That's what's not going to work about this church history. That's how I was telling them. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Every year you can't say approximately 38 years ago. So it's uh, something missing from this church history. It's not, this, this history was given to us by Mother Allen. It's not dated. So we just typed up what she gave us. Pardon? I don't, you don't remember what year the church was founded by Superintendent Cawthorn? Right. I know she's accurate, but... Okay, well, I'm, right, the, and, and all of that is in this church history, but that's the only thing missing, is that date, that first date, okay, so you know it's at least 58 years ago, because I've been here 19, 24 years, 24 years, that's what I say, I, I think it is like 64, but I'm trying to make sure. Yeah. So let's let's move forward before we completely lose focus. So I think it yeah. Okay, then uh the 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 original founder of this ministry was Superintendent Cawthorn and the late missionary Sarah Johnson and they were members from Superintendent Cawthorn's church in Houston. They organized a prayer meeting in the home of the late Mother Baker. And then our history says later a mission was organized from this prayer meeting. The mission moved to a small building in an area called Old Baytown. They worshiped there for a brief period in the year of 19, look at this, look at God, 62. Look at, you said it was in the 60s, you know. From the small building in Old Baytown, the mission moved to McNair on Jones Road. This, this is the history of your church, how it's moving out, how it was established. So y'all know these areas. It was then given the name Mount Calvary Church of God in Christ. They worshiped in this building in McNair about one year. During this period of time, the Lord blessed and the membership grew. Later, it became necessary to move back to Baytown because of disagreements. Brother and Sister Oliver decided to convert their garage at their home on 2008 Ontario into a place of worship. Services were held there until the church became available on Carnegie Street in Okadition through the late mother Arlene Williams. The church then moved from the Oliver's garage to the building on Carnegie Street. In the year of 1970, Bishop R.E. Ranger appointed Reverend Luther Swindell as pastor. Elder Swindell and members began to work and reorganize the church. He began a twofold financial drive a building fund to purchase new musical instruments. He and the members tried to locate land to purchase to build a church on, but were unsuccessful in their efforts. He served as pastor for two years. In 1972, Bishop R.E. Ranger appointed Reverend S.J. Johnson as pastor. Reverend Johnson continued the work Reverend Swindell started. 
Reverend Leslie Jenkins located a small building on this present site, which a small building was erected where they worshiped for seven years under the leadership of Reverend S.J. Johnson. The name of the church was changed from Mount Calvary Church of God in Christ to Faith Temple Church of God in Christ. Reverend S.J. Johnson was led to go through a consecration, and the Lord gave him a vision how to build this present church. He, he, along with the members, began building the church from the vision God had given him to take one step at a time. In approximately three to four years, he and the members were ready to move into the new sanctuary, which is where you're in right now. The grand opening was held in October 1979. Reverend Johnson served as pastor 10 years and several months. Reverend John Anderson was appointed after Reverend Johnson. He served as pastor for a brief period. During his leadership, the membership increased and there was an increase of young people. On September 23, 1984, Bishop, R, Bishop Ranger appointed Reverend E.L. Glenn as pastor. He served until, no, E.L. E. Green as pastor. Oh, yeah, Glenn as pastor. Yeah, 1984. September 23, 1984. Bishop Ranger appointed Reverend E.L. Glenn as pastor. He served until Minister Eddie Johnson was chosen as pastor, and that had to be in 1995. So y'all were here probably about 10 years? 11? He served as pastor about two years. After Minister Eddie Johnson, Reverend Tony Roberson became the pastor. After his resignation, Sister Sharon Brown became our pastor, whom is presently serving now as our senior pastor, and that was in 1998. So that's your church history. So the purpose of a cornerstone, it reminds you of your history and where, how this church was founded, when it was erected, when it was built, all those things that I read to you. So what we're going to tell, I read the church history out in here so you wouldn't have to stand outside that long, but what we're going to do is we're going to go outside, and then we're going to have Brother Turk and uh, whoever can assist him to remove the cover that's on the current, uh, that's currently covering the church, and we're going to pray for our church again, and that God would renew us, and when we come back in, I want to share something briefly uh, with you, because we're not going to hold long today. We're going to have fellowship today. We're going to have communion, and, uh, and then we're going to go forward from there. So let's all go outside right quickly, right quickly. And the, and the quickly we assemble outside, the quickly uh, we can come back inside.
And when you get seated, I want to tell you something. First, uh, I want to share something with you, which is why it's uh, so deep to me about uh, Superintendent Johnson. And I was... Um, Okay, I, I, I just want to read this. I, I'm not going to read. I'm actually going to inform, I guess, about about a church. The reason um, I was just so touched when I when I when I read the history about Pastor Johnson praying and going on a consecration and the Lord uh, giving him the design of the building. Because I was just talking with uh, Sister Victoria this morning, and I was saying, okay, sorry, I don't know where it is. Oh, sorry. Okay, so I was just talking to Sister Victoria this morning because this is what I wanted to share with Faith Temple since we were uh, talking about a cornerstone. Of course, we know the cornerstone that we're built upon is none other than Jesus Christ, but and he's the one that's, um, that's there for us. But why I'm so impressed with um, Pastor Johnson because um, his, he, didn't know, he didn't know something, but he prayed and he was consecrated before God and God showed him something that was public knowledge that uh, he didn't, you know, at the time that he didn't know. Okay, this table that you see right here, it's originally we call it the altar table. But um, when you're dealing with church, you're talking about Catholics, you're talking about Protestants, Reformations, all that kind of stuff happening. So then uh, things change based on Eastern civilization, Western civilization, even the pews that you're sitting in right now. In the Eastern civilization, it was they stood up in church. But in Western civilization, they created pews, and uh, we sit down in church. It seemed to be, like, more accommodating. But this was a Western civilization idea to create pews in church. And so that's why you sit on pews today. And that was created, like, in the Protestant church. But this is called an altar. And because it has uh, been changed so much, uh, a lot of churches just like to refer to it as a communion table. And just anywhere you stand before this pulpit is, uh, is considered the altar. There's been some uh, changes since um, the church has evolved. But the design of this church, you know, these like this rectangle design with the straight walls and then the short walls in the back and stuff like that, that's um, the original design. That's why I'm so impressed with Pastor Johnson. That was uh, accounted as the original design for the church because that's how the early church was able to afford a church. This is the cheapest way to build a church in a rectangle. And so when the early church separated from the main sect of religious worship, and they took out behind Jesus and started going and worshiping in houses, um, that's where churches originally started for the Christian faith is in houses. And so then at this point is when I want to uh, give some props to, um, to uh, Pastor... Um, Patricia, because if you uh, recall on last year, if and, and I know one person that, that for whatever the reason we did not get to, but on last year, every one of you that signed up should have had 
uh, a prayer service, a Bible study at your home. And at your home should have been left a prayer box. And you should have been encouraged because during that time I was in the hospital, but I was in communication with uh, Pastor Patricia, and you should have had been encouraged to find a place in your house to pray. And in that box, just write down what you're seeking God for. And so we went through efforts to that. So if you've forgotten it or if you've fallen by the wayside, then uh, find your place in, in your house that's constant for you and God to pray. And then uh, use your prayer box. And that's the time for you and the Lord. You know, and I know that we all got things that we can pray for, right? Or somebody that we can pray for. Okay. So then there is a, a speaker stand in the front of the church. And the word that used to be for this is Greek. It's called ambo. And it's not, it's not that for us because that would mean that this is the only lectern in the church. I mean, this is the only uh, speaking place in the church. And sometimes it seems like it is. I'm at what's called a lectern that's normally on this side of the church. This side of the church is known as the gospel side. And it's anybody that stands at this church. And if you, if you notice, if you notice, it is always this Bible on this lectern. Because this side of the church is called the gospel side. And so most people that, read, that use this lectern are going to be reading from the gospel. But this, this particular, it's, it's only called an ambo because in Greek it means both. If you're serving as a preacher here and just people speaking from here and all that sort of thing. But we have different places where people speak. So this serves as only the pulpit. Amen. On that side of the church is normally where people would move the communion things and of that nature. And our church, as we grow, we will have what's called a, a, a sanctity or whatever like that. But it's a room where you keep your communion articles, everything that you're going to use for a communion. Also, in the wall, in some churches, not our church, they have uh, like pockets in the wall where they keep stuff that they use for worship or whatever. In the early church, when the church first started, when they was in people's houses, sometimes people's houses would be converted into churches. And so when the people's houses were converted into churches, initially when it was just a house, when you walk through the door, and if you know, if, you, if you're a Bible student, you probably have read across this. I know you probably have, Pastor Brown. When you walk through the door, the water was available right there in the door. And so, you know, they washed feet and all that kind of stuff because people have been in sand and all that kind of stuff. So water, what the running water was available right there at the door. Oftentimes when the disciples were, um, oftentimes when the disciples were ministering to people and needed to baptize, there was no water available outside to baptize in. So they started baptizing inside the house with the water that was available inside the door. That's how you got your baptistry. So then it, that became symbolic in the church. So then a place was put in the church where water could run, where if there was no water available outside for you to baptize someone, you could have running water in the church to baptize it. The church in the modern area just moved it to the back of the church behind uh, the pulpit. Of course, you know where the congregation sits, and, and because of the nature of the design of this church, it's called, the whole church is called a sanctuary. If there were two more steps on this little lift right here, that this lift right here makes a difference between, and that's probably why some churches are so particular about people walking across here, this little lift right here makes a difference between the service where the pastors are supposed to provide and the place where the congregation is supposed to be seated. So the church that you're in 
is representative of something. It's not just a building. It's a reflection of what has gone on in the Christian church down through the years. And so I wanted to, um, I wanted to sh- kind of share that with you today. And I thought it was suitable. Um, I thought it was suitable because of what was, what's happening today. And then also, the last thing I want to tell you, and because um, it's a lot more that I could go through, but the last thing I want to tell you is the wall that's behind the baptismal pool. It's always called the east wall. It doesn't matter which way the church is, fa- is facing because it's a symbolic gesture. The gesture is that when you walk through that door, you're walking from the west towards the east. The idea is that you're walking away from what's evil towards the New Jerusalem every time you walk through that door. That's what the symbolism is supposed to mean. So if you think about it when you're coming into church, then the scripture says when you come into the house of the Lord, you ought to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Is that scripture? So God expects a certain behavior in his house. He doesn't expect us to chew bubble gum eat candy and potato chips. I don't see that here, but he doesn't expect that. God doesn't expect us to be talking when things are going on in a service that don't call for that. God expects us to have a certain way that we act when the word is being preached and when praise and worship is going on. He said we ought to know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. Amen? Amen. That's free. That's free. So you can handle that however way you want to handle it, but if you think about it, it's wonderful symbolism. If you think about uh, Pastor Johnson not even knowing what I just told you, and he just prayed and consecrated himself before God, and if you think about it, in 1979, God told him to build this church on this design, you know God is pretty amazing. He is awesome. That's why he's sovereign. That's why he can do whatever he wants to do, because he is just that kind of God. So I just get excited every time I read that part of the church history because um, I, had a, I did have an opportunity to meet Pastor Johnson when he was alive. I never knew Pastor Cawthorn, Cawthon, but I did um, have a chance to meet Pastor Johnson, right? Oh, my mom said I, I, re, I don't remember him, but I knew him. But I had, and, but, and so I don't even know why through the years God had me to know those pastors, right, or to meet those pastors, rather. But I never, because uh, I think every pastor... Just about on this list, I've known even Pastor Anderson and Pastor Roberson, Pastor Johnson, Pastor Carthen, Pastor S.J. Johnson, all these pastors through the years for a church I never thought I'd be at. That's what's so amazing. And then I came here and I told you my Noah sat down and it was like the best thing that ever happened to me since sliced bread. And I've been here every since and I've never regretted this journey. You know what I mean? And this journey has been full of things that we've been together. We've loved each other. We've, we've been through some hard stuff together out loud. You know what I mean? Sister Patricia, we've been through some hard stuff together out loud. Crying up in here. Doing, and, and you know what I like about it? If you got a problem with somebody up in here, get your stuff together. Because you can go talk to them about what the problem is. I just got that kind of faith. And that they'll get it straight. I don't think nobody here intentionally hurts nobody. Everybody's just growing. You know, everybody's just being. I decided I wanted to just talk to you about this church today. And I talked to you about the church today. Because I don't think we've ever had this conversation about how important these people were that were before us, how important it is to obey God. Because if they had not, things would have been very different 
but they obeyed God. And because of that, this church has been on this corner since, this church has been in existence since 1962. That was a year before I was born. God is amazing. He is just amazing. So if he tells you something, if you feel impressed by the Holy Spirit, just flow with God. Because if it's good, it's not you, it's God. If it's a good idea, it's a God idea. Because the Bible says, in our flesh dwells no good thing. The Bible reminds us of that. So you don't have to get confused like, what voice am I hearing? You know what's good and you know what's evil. So let, let's, uh, let's, flow with, let's flow with God. Okay, we're going to go into communion because already, I, what, what, what they say in church, the time has been far spent. <laughs> so we're going to go into communion. Um, Brother Steve, uh, um, okay, Pastor, Pastor John. Amen. In this family, a blessing to us. Amen. They are a blessing to us. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get ready for communion. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much for providing us a place to worship. We give you glory and praise because you're so good to us. You're amazing in our eyes. We never, ever, God, get tired of you. And, and Father God, I, we just know you never get tired of us because you make mercy new for us every morning, and we thank you for it. Now, Holy Spirit, we're about to receive communion. We're about to remember that great sacrifice that was provided for us on Calvary, that we might have the right to even sit in this building today, that we might have the right to boldly come before the throne of grace and talk to you, God, that you would open heaven's doors and hear our every cry because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that imputed righteousness. You laid his life over our life, and we thank you for it, Lord God, because without you, we don't know what we would have done. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on Calvary. God, you prevented, provided that sacrifice. You didn't have to do it, but you did because you so loved us. Thank you for that so love. We love you back, Father. God, now we know that we could have never sacrificed one of our children or even ourselves to be submitted to something that, for something we never did. He owed a debt. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't even owe. Thank you, God. Crown of thorns on his head and pierced in his side for a debt he didn't know. Talked about, lied on, judged by men that were of unpure hearts for a debt he didn't know. Betrayed by disciples left alone, standing in a courtroom, disciples hiding, afraid for a daddy didn't know, body beat beyond recognition, flesh like hamburger meat, cat of nine tails across his back, ripped his flesh apart. Scripture said he never said a mumbling word. For a debt he did not owe. Marched up Golgotha's hill. So weak. Someone else had to carry his cross. Then put nails in his hand. Nails in his feet. Hung him like a common criminal. For a debt he did not owe. Pierced him in his side. 
blood streaming down for what we did and what we would do. Ask for water, given vinegar. Boy, Daddy didn't know. Clothes gambled over. Who's going to have his clothes? Laughed at, made fun of. Boy, Daddy didn't know. But Lord, today, because of that great sacrifice, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't come down from that cross. Despite what was said and what was done, we know it was hard, Lord, because you said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, and you allow God's will to be done through your life. You are our elder brother and the wonderful sacrifice, an example of who and how we should be. We don't look to any other man. We look to you. You are the mirror. We need to be the reflection of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that mercy you make new every morning. Bless this communion we're about to receive, Lord, in remembrance of all of that. You said, Father, as often as we do this, we should do it in remembrance of you. So we're going to remember you today. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
when ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before another his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat the bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. From today, it will never lose its Yes, Lord. And it flows to the lowest valley of the blood that gives me strength from death. It will never lose his power. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. Today. It will never lose its power. 